Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So we talked about pressure as a means of spiritual and personal growth last week, but this week I want to talk about a different kind of pressure. I want to talk about a 21st century kind of pressure. So turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Paul is speaking and he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Perfect is another word for mature or fully developed. Fully developed will of God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is writing to the church in Romans or Rome, and he's challenging them, almost, he's almost charging them, right, not to allow their ideas and their mentalities or their opinions to be shaped or impacted by anything other than the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And so he's speaking into this atmosphere where there's this culture that is very anti-Christ in nature. And he is charging them. He's saying, hey, don't be conformed to the culture, but be transformed by the will of God. Are you with me? And so we, we sense that there's this pressure that's happening in culture in those days that's affecting people, getting them to compromise their faith according to what the culture is saying. Are you with me? Does anyone see anything like that happening in the 21st century? Is it just me? Are you all living? Right, we're alive, right? We work, we go to jobs, we have family, right? There's a pressure on us daily, weekly, yearly to adapt to the culture and the cultural ideologies and pressures that's around us. Are you with me? To blend in. Right? And that's what culture does. Culture creates disciples. I'm going to say that again because I didn't get the reaction. I thought, see, <laughs> culture creates disciples, even in Christianity. Even in Christianity, there is a Christian culture where we listen to Christian music, we wear Christian apparel, we say Christian things, you know, Christian language, Christianese right? We say Christian things, we listen to Christian music, but then our values and our beliefs don't exactly line up with the will of God. And how many know that culture doesn't save people, Jesus saves people. You can't save someone by putting on a Christian t-shirt and listening to Christian music and think that they're going to come meet Christ. You meet Christ by repenting of your sins, asking for forgiveness, and allowing him to come into your life and be ruler. That is Bible-based Christianity. Jesus is the Savior and Lord of my life. He is the Savior and the Lord of my life. Not just my Savior. Jesus is my homeboy. It's also He is the Lord of my life and He dictates the decisions I make, the things that I believe. He is the Lord of my life. I've given Him the reins. That is biblical-based Christianity. We're not saved by Christian culture. We're saved by Christ. We're saved by Christ. Are you with me? Culture never saved nobody. You don't get saved by having Christian friends and doing Christian things at Christian events with Christian hashtags. It don't work. You'll still be miserable because you're only saved by hashtag Christ. Are you with me? Hashtag Christ. 
forget it. All right. <laughs> Paul is challenging us. He's saying, don't succumb to the pressure that's coming on you, but give place to the power that wants to come out of you. Say it again on this side. I like this side. I like this side, but I'm going to say it on this side. Don't be conformed to the pressure that's coming on you. Be transformed by the power that wants to come out of you. See, conformity is all about culture in the world, but transformation is all about the kingdom. Are you with me? The real you is not found out there. The real you is not going to be found on scrolling through Instagram or through community. The real you is found in him. He holds the identity. Your real identity, he holds in the palm of his hand. He knows who you are. He fashioned you with his voice. He knows exactly how you tick, what you need, what you don't need, what to protect you from, what not to protect you from. You are the, you are, he is the potter. You are the clay in his hands. He knows you. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows me. He knows you. There is no ideal, belief, politic, human worldview that is capable of healing the human heart. Just the love of God. Republican Party cannot save your heart. And the church said, Christian values cannot save your heart. Right? Christian music cannot save your heart. Jesus can save your heart. Jesus can save your heart. And you were not designed to fit in to some cultural puzzle. You don't fit. Let me save you the suspense. You are not supposed to fit in. You are supposed to be your own puzzle. And Jesus is the architect putting the pieces together and you just need to check with him and find out where, what goes where. Are you with me? Are you with me? You are an original masterpiece. Square peg, round hole. But there's so many Christians that are trying to fit their beliefs and fit their worldview into a culture that is designed to reject them. You are not going to fit in. You are not supposed to fit in. It doesn't mean you have to be offensive. It doesn't mean you need to be a G-E-R-K. That's what we say in our home, right? J, yeah, J-E-R-K. <laughs> That's why I'm married, right? Like whenever we, whenever we want to say questionable words in my house we spell them out but then we spell them wrong so I don't know right I, listen God help me listen this world is not our home this world is not our home you shouldn't want more of the world you should want more of God if you find yourself in a place where you want more of the culture or more of the world you need some prayer because you should not want more of the world. You should want more, than God, more, more of God. Are you with me? And we are living in a day where what we believe and who we were designed to be in God is coming under intense pressure. Right? In fact, Jesus warns us of a day that when people will kill Christians and think they're doing a service to God. Maybe not in America, but this is happening across the world. Right? Jesus warned us of a day where the culture will say, hey, either you're going to die or you're going to say the name of Jesus. Which one would you like? That's, that is the day, that, the, that is intense pressure, right? Where the actual tenets of our faith, the values that we derive from the word of God and from being in communion with God are being tested and questioned. Right? Listen, let me just encourage you. 
If you walk with Jesus, if you read the Bible, you are going to, at some point in your life, you are going to be attacked for your faith. I promise you. At some point, you are going to be questioned and challenged over Jesus. Right? If not, you may be doing something wrong. Right? I love that. I think it was John Wesley, like, one time, like, he went, like, a week uh, I think it was John Wesley. It may not have been John Wesley, but some great man of God. He went like a week without being persecuted for his faith. And like he was like in like a forest somewhere on his horse. And he dropped down off his horse and he got on his knees. And he said, God, have you taken your presence from me? Have you taken your presence from me? I'm not, I'm not encountering any persecution. And just then someone drove by, saw him, and threw a rock and hit him in the head. <laughs> and he said, thank you, God, I still have your presence. Because he recognized that being in Christ and, God, and having God's God's presence on his life was going to be offensive to many people. Now listen, there are a plethora of issues that we can hang our hat on. As 21st century Christians, let's talk about abortion, gender identity issues, gay marriage. I, I watched uh, this, art, this, um, this trailer this morning for Toy, Toy Story 2 or Toy Story 4, and they were showing how they were bleeding in some specific like gender identity, gender confusion issues into a kid's film. Into a kid's film, right? Jesus. You'll notice that pop culture does not like the name of Jesus. They're cool with God. God's cool. right? Because God, you can, you can put God on anything. But Jesus? Say the name of Jesus? That name will bring you some heat. Are you with me? Right? People will challenge you that Jesus isn't the, the only way to heaven. That that view is somehow narrow-minded. Right? Or ignorant. They will use human reasoning to challenge the Bible. Human reasoning, like, like the flood didn't really happen. That's a, that's a fable, and it's just it's a figurative story. Are you actually taking the Bible literally? Like, you mean a flood actually happened? Like, the Red Sea actually parted? And people will say, well, no, that's, that's not really what it meant. It, it's not a literal parting of the Red Sea. But let me ask you this question. If you don't take parts of the Bible literally, then where do you draw the line? What's literal and what's not literal? Does that mean that the Immaculate Conception wasn't literal? See what I'm saying? Are you with me? Okay. Right. They will call the book a bunch of fables and stories that aren't rooted in reality, right? And that's just in the church. But see, here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. Is that we don't have to defend the Bible. Yeah. The Bible defends itself. You don't have to defend the truth. You just proclaim the truth. I don't need to defend God. I need God to defend me. Right? I, don't need, I don't need to go and fight, for, fight on behalf of Christian values. Christian values fight for themselves. Are you with me? Right? The truth is God is not scared, overwhelmed, or nervous. We are. But God is not nervous about 21st century oppression. He already has an answer for it. And see, here's the thing, right? And so getting back to Romans 12 too, If you resist being conformed to the world, which is good, but then you don't allow yourself to be transformed, you will use your beliefs to fight back rather than love back. I'm going to say it again. If you resist being conformed, but then you don't allow yourself to be transformed, 
you will use your beliefs to fight back rather than love back. John 13, 35. Oh, I didn't tell them about this first. John 13, 35 says, By this you will know that they are my disciples. By this they will know that you are my disciples by your stance on social issues. That's not what it says? Okay. By this they will know that you are my disciples because you are tolerant of everyone. That's not what it... Okay. By this... You will know, they will know that you are my disciples because you voted Republican. That's not what it says. Okay, I'm, I'm, I, I have the right version here. Let me find it. By this, they will know that you are my disciples because of the size of a church that you go to. That's not the one either? By this, they will know that you are my disciples because of how long you've been a Christian. You've been saved 20 years. You must, you must be saved. Like you. By this... They will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. What sets us apart by Christians as Christians is not our beliefs, it's our love. Amen. And so if we use our beliefs to fight back rather than love back, who are we? Who are we? Are you with me? If people only know us by our stances, we are failing. If people only know us by what we're against, we are failing. If people only know us by our political ideals, we are failing. And here is the hard part. Is that the word, the world, the culture, they want to, they want to label you and frame you based upon your stances. The world wants you to say what you believe so they have a reason to categorize you and then stereotype you. Are you with me? And so they're waiting to disagree with them so they can label us, right? So here's the problem, right? So if we are concerned with being liked, we will soften our stances to get them to like us or leave us alone. So, I mean, that's good. I mean, that's just, just truth, right? Because if, we're, if we really, if I want you to like me, then I'm going to be soft on my issues, right? Right. Or if we don't do that, of course, we become ineffective, bland Christians, right? And here's, I feel like where many Christians are, by the way, is they want to be liked by people more than they want to reach people. Good point. Yeah, that's a hard truth. Okay. Or we defend ourselves in fear. We defend ourselves in fear. And I noticed that fear always gets angry. So if we hide from the world... It's because we've never learned how to minister to the world. Are you with me? Or I have a third option. You ready? We really learn how to love. We really learn how to love. We have to know who we believe and allow our values to flow from his work of transformation in us. And do you know what the highest values of the kingdom are? The highest values of the kingdom of God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the highest value of the kingdom. Right? And I've learned that disagreement doesn't equal love, and tolerant, uh, tolerance, doesn't, tolerance doesn't equal love, and disagreement doesn't equal hate. Meaning I can disagree with you and still love you. But if we haven't learned, that we, if we haven't learned how to disagree but yet still love, we cannot minister to the world. Are you with me? Can you articulate your faith and beliefs in a way where people understand that you are for them and love them? Can you articulate your faith and your beliefs in a way where people understand and believe that you are for them and love them? 
Because most believers can't. Most believers can't, right? Can you disagree and still show, show love? Here's three truths that will absolutely bring you to your knees. Are you ready? Three truths that will bring you to your knees. The first one, fear versus love. Perfect love casts out fear. That's what the Bible says. Perfect love casts out fear. So my level of fear reveals my level of love. My level of fear reveals my level of love. Love speaks up. Number two, Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Love speaks up. So if I say that I really love somebody, I'll say something. Preaching the gospel is not hate speech. It's love speech. Now, how you do it is important. That's my third point, is that speak the truth in love. It's possible to speak the truth not in love. Speaking the truth doesn't mean you've automatically done it in love. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Learn how to articulate the loving truth in a loving way. Right? But if you say nothing to anybody at your job, at your school, your friends, your community, do you really love them? If you really believe that heaven is eternity and hell is real and you don't say anything to anybody around you and you blend in and conflate your values with the culture around you, are you really moving in love? Or have you allowed the pressure of the culture and being liked to soften you so that you don't stand out as salt and light? Or have you allowed fear of what they might say to you and what they think of you to cause you to keep your mouth shut so you don't love someone? Because love is not, the highest form of love is wanting someone to know Jesus and be with Jesus for their entire eternity. That's love. That's love. Not me having drinks with you on a Saturday night. That's not love. That's not love. Me is wanting your heart to connect to Jesus in the way that my heart connected to Jesus so you know how wonderful he is. Not me pumping religion at you. It's me giving you love. Are you with me? That's why you don't have to defend the truth. The reason why you don't have to defend the truth is because the stakes are high. If someone rejects truth, they have a heavy price to pay in this life and the next. Are you with me? Right. James 1.19 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. There is a way for us to communicate the gospel in a way that's understanding and loving at the same time. Are you with me? You know, I've, I, if you read this Bible, you find that Jesus was loved by some and he was hated by many. Like, he was crucified by the people that he loved. Like sometimes I hear like people be like, oh, I just want to love people the way Jesus loved people. I want to just love people the way Jesus loved people. Well, to love people the way Jesus loved people means to love people who lie about you, stab you in the back, and try and kill you. I don't know about you, but you try and kill me, me and you are going to throw down. We're going to fight. Like, I have, not, I have not eclipsed that level of Jesus-type love yet. I will drop an elbow. Like, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. I, oh, I've been watching MMA. I took a little Krav Maga. I am not to be trifled with, okay? I'm just saying. I am on my way. Pray for me. But if you try and fight me, I'm going to fight you back. I'm not going to lay down. Let's go. I even look like Ralph Macchio. Let's go. Listen, you might win, but you're going to feel me on your... Okay, forget it. I'm just... I wasn't always saved. I wasn't always saved. Okay. But Jesus was, he was loved by some and he was hated by many. Right? 
And I love this, Romans 8.29, it says, For those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So if we're going to be conformed to anything, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Jesus. You're supposed to look like Jesus. You're supposed to look like Jesus. He was crucified by people he loved. And here's another hard truth. Are you ready? Are you ready? Is this good? Should we go home? Okay. Loving people well does not automatically mean that they will love you back. Sometimes it means the opposite. And then we have to decide if we're actually going to show them love the way Jesus shows us love when we rejected him. Who loved us before we knew him. The word tells us. Are you with me? Edie, is this still good? <laughs> I just read the Gospels. Right? Like, read about Jesus. Like, read about what he did. Read about, like, just, just, I challenge you, just take a month and just read the Gospels. Read what Jesus did and how he did it. Read about, you know, his approach to people in situations. Read about what he said to people and what the ramifications were sometimes. Like, ask God to give you revelation about Jesus as you read the Gospels. Like, read the words of Jesus and you will get insight into a man that loved so deeply even in the face of intense rejection. He was a lover. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. And then people called them blasphemers. I noticed that Jesus and his disciples never called anybody a blasphemer. They were too busy trying to love them to call them a blasphemer. Like Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. He didn't care what the Christians say. Now, when you, when you read that scripture verse, it does not mean that Jesus ate and got drunk with sinners. That's not what he was doing. Because if you read the scripture text, it says that they brought him people to lay his hands on and he healed them. See, Jesus was the influencer in the situation, not the one being influenced. So he got into a situation with unbelievers and he prayed and he, and he prayed for them and he influenced them towards the kingdom in love. Amen. He was the influencer. Are you with me? Yep. Pressure will come on what you believe. Pressure will come on what you believe. In the book of Daniel last week, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and how these Hebrew boys were ripped out of their homeland and taken to Babylon and they were forced to serve. And the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar took the, 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 the best and the brightest Hebrew boys and he put them in the, the school of the Chaldeans and he taught them all the ways of the Chaldeans. So essentially what he was doing, Nebuchadnezzar, when he, when he, when he um, put put the Hebrew boys in bondage was that he was trying to indoctrinate them in Chaldean culture and Babylonian culture. Talk about modern day higher learning. Right? So they were in college, so to speak, being indoctrinated by the Chaldean culture. Right? But the Bible says something interesting in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. It says that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And history tells us that there was about a three-day journey from Israel to Babylon. And so essentially, the, the Hebrew boys had three days to really figure out what they were going to compromise and what they weren't going to compromise. I'll challenge you, college students or people who are in high school, begin to think about where you're going to draw the line when it comes to your faith. Because you're going to be forced... To, 
where your faith is going to come under intense pressure and you're going to be put in a situation where you're not going to know what to do. So make a decision about where you're, and where and how you're going to live out your faith. And so this intense pressure came upon these boys and they purposed in their life, whatever the cost would be, that they would honor God inside and out. And that posture in their life not only made them extremely influential, but also raised them to the highest levels in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar actually got saved. In fact, he's the only non-Jew in the entire Bible to author scripture. Nebuchadnezzar. The only Jew, the only, the only non-Jew in the entire Bible to write something because of the impact of Daniel and his friends. Are you with me? Let me ask you a question. Can your faith stand the heat? Can your faith stand the pressure? It may not be a furnace, a fiery furnace, but it may be popularity. It might be acceptance from friends, family, or coworkers. Family promotion, some family pressure sometimes is worse than friends' pressure. And everybody said. It may mean promotion at your job. It may mean more money for you to compromise your values. Can you stand up to the pressure? Can you love others without compromising the gospel? Right? Can you stand up to the pressures that come with being a child of God and a disciple of Jesus, or will you be one of the crowd, one that compromises their faith, one that looks for the path of least resistance. One thing I noticed about Jesus is that when he was living his life and going through his ministry is that he said some controversial things. And sometimes those controversial things actually cost him his platform. Like at one point he had 500 people following him and then he said some crazy stuff and then he only had 70 people following him. And then he said some more crazy stuff and then he only had 12 people following him. But the 12 people following him said, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the worlds of eternal life. Where else would we go? You're, you're the only one speaking like this. You're the one who holds salvation. So sometimes living out this Christian life will cause intense pressure to come upon you, and you're going, it's going to cost you something. Are you with me? Right? But Jesus did not allow pressure of public opinion and the approval of people and the comforts of compromise to get him to pull back from his Father's mandate. Are you with me? to allow himself to conform to the culture that he was called to change. So ask yourself this question, what happens to my faith when I'm under pressure? Ask yourself, what happens to my faith when I'm under pressure? What happens to my witness and my testimony when pressure comes? Do my beliefs and my opinions line up for the Word of God, line up with the Word of God? And if not, why not? And if not, why not? I know this is heavy, but we're not supposed to blend in. We're not supposed to conflate with culture. We're supposed to be a city on a hill. We're supposed to be a light in a dark place. We're supposed to be salt and light. Now, with that being said, like, there's su- there is a thing, such a thing as putting too much salt on a dish. <laughs> like, you're supposed to be salt and light, but don't be salty. Are you with me? Like, like, like I, I like just the right amount of salt, right? Otherwise, like, it just gets gross, right? There's a such thing as, like, being a light or being an interrogation light, <laughs> right? 
like, like, there's an art to this thing. Like, you don't have to be abusive. Like, and if Facebook is your only platform for ministering the gospel, just stop. Amen. Go across the street, invite your neighbor over to your house, and just hang out with them and love them. And then go put on Facebook what you believe if you feel so led. But Facebook should not be the only place where you just talk about your beliefs all day. If you're not talking to your coworkers and you're not talking to your family and you're not talking to your neighbors, then be quiet. Are you with me? You're just salty. Look at your neighbor tell them you're salty. There should be a difference. You were called to stand. Listen, you were called. To, this is the truth. You were called to stand out. And until you do, you will feel very unfulfilled. You were called to stand out. And until you do, you will feel very unfulfilled. The pressure to be lukewarm and to be spiritually apathetic, to be a run-of-the-mill, status quo Christian, is great. There is a pressure to just lay back, to let someone else do the preaching. Let someone else do the evangelism. Let someone else do the writing. Let someone else take the heat. Let someone else say the, say, say the controversial things. Let someone else put themselves in the limelight. Let someone else step out in faith. There's a pressure to sit back. And we've allowed ourselves, and bear with me, church, we've allowed ourselves in many ways to be lulled to sleep because the pressure of the culture is trying to conform us into mediocrity. Why is it when, it's only that when the Christians speak out, everybody has a problem. Hollywood could speak out, actors can say crazy things, politicians can tweet crazy things. Like, everybody gets a pass for saying crazy things, except for Christians. We can't say nothing. Are you with me? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's saying that you have to allow your mind to be transformed so that you begin to see things differently than how you see them now. What that scripture is saying is that we need to see pressure differently than how we see it. What if the situation that you're going through what if the pressure that you're going through, what if the trial that you're going through is not God forgetting about you, dismissing you, or rejecting you? Maybe it's God preparing you for something greater. We have got to look at the pressures in our life and say, this is working for my good. This is working for my good. And when you begin to confront pressure with biblical truths, your mind gets transformed and you begin to have joy in peace, in pressure. Because you know Jesus is there. Are you with me? I said this last week that sometimes God doesn't deliver us from pressure. He delivers us in pressure. But then he joins us in the pressure so we don't have to bear it alone. Are you with me? How is your mind being discipled? You ever thought about that question? How is my mind being discipled? Is it being discipled through the lens of love or through the lens of the culture? How, is I, how am I allowing the situation that I'm going through to affect my theology, essentially affect how I feel about God? Is it causing me to doubt His love and doubt His grace and doubt His plan? Or is it renewing me 
to believe that there's something greater coming. That he's able to work all things together for, for, good, for good. That he's still redeeming me. Even every situation I go through, he's redeeming for my good. We have to change our mind about pressure. Is the situation you're going through a sign that God doesn't care or that you're on to something good? Pressure reveals who you're serving. Are you serving God or are you serving your comforts? But here's what my Bible says. It says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What that is saying is that greater is the Spirit of God that's in me than the pressure that's coming against me. And there is a conflict happening in my life where I have access to great power and sometimes pressure is the seed of greatness within us. Pressure reveals the seed of greatness within us. And so we're under great pressure. The transforming power of God is equal to the task to meet that pressure so that we can be transformed. Are you with me? The Spirit of God that is in you is greater than the pressure coming against you. In you is a David, a giant killer. In you is a Daniel, a culture changer. In you is a Gideon, a world changer, right? But the amazing thing about all three of those guys is that they were not ready for the pressure when it came to them, but they yielded to God in the place of pressure. What giant are you called to slay? What culture are you called to change? What army are you called to fight? I can't answer that question for you, but I can tell you that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are you with me? Whatever it is, whatever it is, we deal with pressure by yielding to God. By yielding to God. And allowing his power to make all things good. Are you with me? Standing up under pressure means committing the outcomes to him. Committing the outcome to him. That means I believe no matter what happens in this situation, no matter what trial comes my way, no matter what issue is happening, I believe that as I yield myself to God that he is able to make this work out for my good and get the glory in the long run. Pressure is a reason to run to God, not from God. Stand with me. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.